while anyways in our church, you can be certain in these uncertain times. And I want to talk to you about the certainty of the Lord. We can be certain. We have to take action, though, because we can't just sit there and cry about what's going on because we could be crying a river all the time. I was dismayed when I was reading through my my news feed and somebody said, well, I'm looking for a good church. I'm, I'm like 38 years old and I'm, I'm single and I'm looking for a church with a good singles group. And I thought, you know, sis, you got it wrong. You better be looking for a good church that preaches the word first and the group will come later. And I started to, I think about our church, and I said, God, because, you know, as, as pastors, you go over and you're always trying to improve things, always trying to make it better, always trying to do things. You know, we're, we're tucked away in a tiny corner in Aubrey. If you want to, want to come here, you have to know about us. Well, we're doing something about that. We're going to be in the peanut festival. And I'll show you on Sunday, we have a little mock-up. We, we bought balloons. Um, everything is pricey, so if you don't mind contributing a little bit toward it, that's, that'd be great. Um, if not, well, God's going to supply anyways. But we got these helium balloons. I'm not a fan. Okay, I'm not a fan of balloons, but I was talking to Sherry, and she said, well, we could do balloons. And I'm thinking like, you know, I just don't, I don't like blowing them up and I don't like when they pop. It's like, oh, it popped. I don't like surprises. But anyways, we're going to do helium balloons and they say lifting up Jesus and it's got our church name and our address and, and our, our website on it. And now I can thank my friends, Peter and Vera in, in New Hampshire for the lifting up Jesus part because I... I go to them a lot when I need some fresh ideas because they're still young and they have ideas. So I said, oh, that's nice, lifting up Jesus. And they're going to be all over. We're going to do 500 of them. And um, it's going to be fun. We're going to get our, our name out, our, out of here. But, you know, I was going through with what that, that lady said. I almost made a response to her, and I'm glad that I just stopped because... I, I didn't want to get it. You know, you waste your time. Sometimes you respond on Facebook, and then, and then you know, they answer, then you, you answer, and then, you know, and then you know it's an hour later, and you still haven't gotten done what you were supposed to do in the first place. But I was thinking, I said, God, you know, we don't have a nursery. We don't, we, you know, we've got a group now. We've got our craft group that meets on Thursdays, and I love it. And, you know, we don't have... You know, we don't have door greeters. We don't have this. We don't have that. And the Holy Spirit stopped me, and he said, you know, you can be certain in uncertain times. You know, we've got everything we need here. We've got the Word of God. You know, if you preach the Word of God, the church will grow with hungry hearts. We'll get, I'm not, listen, I'm not against groups for things. I'd love a singles group. I'd, I'd love to have a, you know, a, a better youth group. I'd love to have a, a larger children's church. But those things come as you preach the word. You can't put the cart before the horse and put all these groups in because we'd all be worn out. I mean, let's face it. 
you know, is a group here, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. I mean, just saying it sometimes can really tire you out. But the Lord said you can be certain in uncertain times, and it settled me. I can be certain in uncertain times. You know, a single group isn't going to strengthen somebody spiritually. You know, a pizza party isn't going to strengthen somebody spiritually. Even a nursery, a life group, that's not what your strength is from. Your strength is for hearing the word of God and receiving the word of God. And then you get people in the church who want to organize things and do things, and then you start growing naturally rather than trying to force people to do stuff that they really don't want to do. I mean, I think we could all raise our hands. We've all been in church a long time. How many of you have done things that really didn't produce much fruit, but the pastor asked you to do it, and you tired yourself out doing it, and it produced nothing? Well, we don't want to do that. I believe that, you know, as the church grows, we'll get the programs, but it's programs alone is not the Lord's desire, especially in the times we live in now. I mean, there's other things that we need to do. We need to get the word in. You know, you can be certain of this. It's up to you for your life, to change your life. One of the certainties of this, you can be certain that if you don't do anything about your own life, you won't do it. Now, some of you know that Clarence and I are on this 21-day. We're getting our, our lives in order. I mean, it's going to take longer than 21 days for things, but we're getting our, our sugar levels Not that we were, you know, we weren't out of control. We're your typical American eater, which is terrible. And we are detoxing for 21 days off of sugar. I found out Doris brought those strawberries with the chocolate on them. And I looked at them, and they were like, oh, well, there they are. But I didn't really want them. And it's only been like a week and a half. But you know how I did? I had to cry out to God for it because this has been months in coming. I saw a video probably about a month ago on my news feed, and um, the, the man said, who's going to, you know, you're waiting for somebody to rescue you. You're waiting for somebody to do it for you. When are you going to take the reins out of your own life and do it for yourself? And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I can make the change for me. I have to have the backbone to make the change. So what I've had to do is cry out to God every single day that I get up and say, God, you know, you know that I like to eat tiny chocolate. Well, by the time I ate tiny chocolate, you know those little Hershey things? I probably would have been better off eating the full chocolate bar than going for the tiny chocolate. So, you know, but I I said to God, I said, my desire is to be healthy. I want to be healthy. I want to, if something comes up and attacks me physically, I want to have the immune system. I want to have it built. And I could see everything that this man, and and I will tell you who it is, you know, and I don't want to, like, publicize it, but um, I will tell you privately, and if you're interested, get on his Facebook group and start working the plan for yourself. But I had to cry out to God to do it. Nobody's going to make a change for me. I have got to make the change. And incredibly, in like a week and a half, I've dropped like seven pounds. 
I mean, huh, I, I'd drop a pound before and I'd go crazy, like, wow, look at me, I'm so good. And then, you know, the next day I'd be up two pounds and be like, eh, look at me, I'm not so good. But um, we're, we're losing it. We're going to continue to work toward health. I mean, this is just one thing. The sugar detox is one thing, and then it's you go into something else. But the thing is, is you can be very certain that change for your life has to come from you. We've been so acclimated to going to the government. We look to the government. We look to the doctor. The doctor, he's not going to help you to eat better or to get more rest or to exercise or to drink more water. The doctor is a sick doctor. He go, you go to the doctor when you're feeling bad, except for your yearly thingy. But we have to remember that we are the change for our own lives. If we've got something wrong with us, we have to cry out to God. If we've got something that we're dealing with, we have to cry out to God. Why? Be, so we can be certain. Be very sure that your anchor is on that solid rock. Because there's no other answer except for Jesus. We can see in these times that there's no other certainty except for the certainness of the Word of God and what the Bible says. I can count on God. He said in Malachi, I am the Lord, I do not change. That, you can't be more certain than that. God doesn't, God doesn't, he's not schizophrenic. He's not waking up every day and we got to wonder, you know, Jesus, is the sun going to come out? You know, is, is are we going to have day today? Is it, are, are the trees going to still be there? We don't have to wonder any of that. He is the Lord. He changes not. He's got everything in the palm of his hands. We have to believe that with the upheaval, with all the negative things that are going on today, that God will keep us. God will protect us. We can have that certainty in these times. God will give us wisdom, just like he gave me. I cried out for it. I couldn't do it on my own. And he said, great, now I can help you do it. And, and miraculously, my husband came along with me, too, because it's a lot easier. You know, if there's two of you in the house, it's a lot easier if you're both in agreement about your diet. You know, one's not chowing down, you know, Whataburger and stuff like that, and the other one's, you know, eating salad. So, you know, we, we God gives us the desires of our heart. When we cry out to him, he gives us the power and the strength and the ability to run the race. Even in these uncertain times, you weren't born accidentally in this time. This is the time that we were ordained for the end times. Is it easy? No, but if you read your Bible, a lot of times there wasn't easy times either. People had to do things that they didn't want to do. People saw their homes burned. People saw their towns burned. People were out of there when the, when the Israelites were captured and put into Babylon. That wasn't an easy time. All through history, there's been hard times. So for us not to for us to escape hard times would be maybe unfair. But we're coming to the end of time. I mean, you have to, if you've got two eyes, you can see it. We're coming to the end. God forbid this go on too much longer. I mean, don't you wake up and every week it's something, you know, 
more, you know, you just get so angry when you look at it. And then you got to say, well, God, you're in control. And um, next week we're going to talk about, because this is a two-part, maybe a three-parter. This wasn't really what I wanted to preach tonight. I wanted to preach what I'm going to preach next week tonight. But as I was studying, I felt I need to lay this foundation first. You know, we have an administration that's intent upon destroying this country, but many of this we brought on ourselves by, this is a judgment of God. And you can argue with me, but I am sure of it. I am sure that this is the judgment of God. What we have to focus on now is what we know to be true rather than what we see. You can't, you know, the Bible says that, you know, the things that we see are temporary, but the things that we can't see are eternal. We need to say, God, please give us the vision to see the eternal. So we can think differently because, you know, when you're always looking at things, you're looking at your daily things, you've got to pay your bills, you've got to make food, buy food, clean your house, you know, get ready for church, do all those things. We sometimes forget about the eternal purpose that we're here for. But we're here for eternal purpose. So I want to read to you tonight seven things that are uncertain. And then next week we're going to talk about the certain judgment at the end for the wicked and the certain protection and the divine love of God for the, those that are his children. So that's next week. But this week, and I, I took this right out of the Thompson Chain Bible, so if you have one, you could look it up. I thought it did very well, so I said I'm not going to reinvent the wheel, right? So seven things that are uncertain. Number one is beauty. So that's kind of self-explanatory. You know, <laughs> as you get older, it's, it takes a lot more to get out of the house for me. It takes it's a lot more money to get my hair done. Thank God for my Jacqueline, Ann's daughter, who does my hair. But we're all getting older, and in Psalm 39:11 it says, Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord shall be praised. So one thing uncertain is beauty. So if you've married for beauty and, you know, you're getting older, you might be disappointed. You can't marry somebody because they look nice. Two, the thing, another thing we're uncertain of, men's promises. All we have to do is look at the White House to see promises broken all over the place. You know, but Psalm 146.2 says, Put not your trust in princes, and I could say they're presidents, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. You can't even trust our last president as much as I loved him and I thought he was great. You know what? He's a man. But he says, don't put your trust there. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we shall trust in the name of our Lord. We have to just trust God. Number three, another uncertain commodity in this world is riches. You know, the money system could collapse like this. And as you can see, we're careening toward that really quickly. So it says in, in Proverbs 23:5, Will you set your eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. 
Riches are temporary. You can have a fortune one day and lose it the next. There's so many things that could happen with riches. But the sure word of God is better than riches. Number four, the future. You know, we're not promised tomorrow. I love that song that you sing a lot, Sister Francis, that we don't know about tomorrow. In Proverbs 27, 1, it says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you don't know what a day may bring forth. You know, we don't know tomorrow what can happen. I mean, we really don't know. You talk about what's happening overseas in Afghanistan. I mean, it's obvious that terror is coming to this country. And that's one of the judgments of God is that he will let terrorists overrun your country. But the people of God have protection. We have protection. And we have to, that's why the word is more important than a singles group. The word is more important than having pizza parties on Friday nights. The word is more important than any other thing that you can imagine. Because that strengthens us. There may be a time when we can't have church. There may be a time that we're arrested We don't know the future. But they can't take away what's inside of you. They can't take away the word that's inside of you. They can take away the memories of that pizza party or the singles group or our craft day or all that. But you can't take what's inside. Nobody can take my salvation from me. Nobody can take my attitude toward me. I can have a good attitude in the dungeon just like Joseph had. But I've got to know the story of Joseph in order to see what was modeled for me. I have to understand Bible history to see what was modeled for us. The Old Testament is so rich and so full, and I'm sad that many churches won't even minister or teach on the Old Testament because they're so rich and full. The history, Genesis, so... Just those are real people. It's not just they're not just Bible stories. And that's what we tell our kids. You know, these these are real people that walk the earth just like you and me. God left that as an example for us to follow. He left Joseph as an example for us. If we're arrested, that we would have a good attitude and not be screaming at people and, and doing things. There's a time to scream, I suppose. I don't know. I'm not a screamer. Although I did scream yesterday because the cats got on my nerves. And I scared them because I don't ever scream. But it was like enough. They were running around, knocking things over, and just wreaking havoc in the house. And I just and I was trying to get a lot of stuff done in a little bit of time. My computer had decided it had a virus, so every time I touched a a key, it would just go all the way across, so I had to reboot it, and and then the cats were running around, so I just said, shut up, and then I walked out, and they're like, is that you, Mom? Are you okay now? So the future, we don't know what the future can bring. It's uncertain. Friendship, John sixteen thirty two. <clears throat> Behold, the hour comes, yes, it now comes, that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Sorry to say, friends are fickle. And um, 
you know, I'm sure you've all had stories about friends that have stabbed you in the back. Yeah, we all have. You know, bless them and move on. I mean, there's nothing else you can do. But he said, yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Now, that doesn't mean that you, like, become a hermit because somebody might hurt you. I mean, you know, sometimes when we get hurt, we take things to the way extreme. Somebody hurts us, and it's like, well, I'm never getting in that position again. And you miss so much of the richness because for all the people that have stabbed me in the back over the years and have been mean to me, there's been a thousand that haven't done that. And, And the people that are my friends enrich my life. They make me laugh. They give me joy. So why would I just withdraw from everything because of one or two people that just we didn't see eye to eye with? I mean, you look at all of us with our stories about being stabbed in the back by friends. Have you ever stabbed anybody in the back? Probably not intentionally, but I'm sure that people have stories about us too. So, you know, we can't sit as the people that have never held a knife in our hands, that we haven't done things that have been underhanded or sneaky. Why not? Because it's human nature. But the certain one is that God is certain. He's a friend that sticketh closer to the brother. He'll be your friend when you don't have a friend. So you can be very certain of God. Amen? Life. We can't be certain of life. I mean, who knew? Who knew any of this? I mean, two years ago, we were such babies, weren't we? Think about two years ago, 2019, before anybody ever heard of COVID, except if you look real close on a Lysol bottle where it does, it did mention COVID. But... um. Uh, you know, two years ago, think of how much our world has changed since. Think about last week, how much our world has changed. You know, life is uncertain, but God is always certain. It says in James 4.14, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are as a mist that appears for a time, then vanishes. When I first got saved, that verse meant a lot to me. I was driving home Later at night, I had dropped my son off in in Connecticut. It was before Molly was born, and I was going home, and it was we lived on the top of a hill. And I was going home, and on the side of the road, I saw this strange mist, and then it vanished. And I said, hmm, I wonder what that is. So I had a concordance at that point, so I looked it up, and that verse came up. Your life is but a vapor, is what the King James said. And it got me thinking, and it got me a little more serious about God at the time. Our life is just a mist. You know, it's all going to be over with before we know it. Number seven, the the last of the seven things that are uncertain is earthly glory. Well, I have something to say about that. You know, you only have to look as far as New York State and the former Governor Cuomo. Like last year, you know, it was Cuomo for president, and, you know, Cuomo got the Emmy. Well, this year they asked him for the Emmy back, and he's hiding out in the, in the Hamptons somewhere in, at a friend's house. So, you know, if it, earthly fame it can go like this. And I've got to say, if you're of a certain political party, you could end up in a coffin a lot sooner, too. You could be 
famous one day and then commit suicide against your will the other the next day. Earthly fame passes. Glory passes. But the word of God is eternal. And you can count on it. It's a certain. The certainty is there. It says in 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25, For all flesh is as grass, and all glory of men as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. The devil can't destroy the gospel. The gospel message is eternal. And it's durable. And it's going to live forever. Amen. It is. We can't depend on things that we can see. We can enjoy them. There's a lot of things I enjoy in the temporary realm. I enjoy sitting at night and just knitting and making another blanket. And our craft thing on when, on Thursday. I enjoy the cats. I enjoy church. I enjoy driving in my car. I enjoy the freedom to go in a store right now without a mask. There's things that I'm really enjoying about life. I enjoyed when I, I'm able to go swimming. There's things that I really enjoy, but it's all temporary. But it's brought a new light. This whole thing that we're going through now as a country has brought a new light and how much more I appreciate things that I didn't formally appreciate in 2019. Like sometimes you go in, do you ever go into a store and some things are not stocked up yet? And it's like, huh. Or when they had the big toilet paper thing. You know, some things that we just enjoy in this life, they're just temporary. But it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy them while we have them. Let's look at some of the comforting certainties that we can fully trust. We can confidently hold on to the word of God through any difficulty. If you're having anxiety today about something, get in the word and get a word that you can hold on to. The anchor is sure. That song just kept going through. I was so glad you were coming tonight. I said, please, Lord, please let her be able to sing that song because the anchor holds. You can be very sure this word has got all the answers of life. This word has got what you need. You don't need a singles group. You need the word. You know, you don't need a pizza party or a social life. You need the word. And then God, as you get into the word, God strengthens and God opens doors and God says, walk this way. And then before you know it, you've got friends. You're fulfilled. You've got things that you're doing all because of the word of God. But see, you have to get a hold of it for yourself. I can't do it for you. And that was just like when I got the the kick in my backside to start cleaning up my diet. You know, you guys can want me to clean it up all the t- all the day long, but I still won't do it until I get the will to do it. So we've got to want to change. We've got to want to read the word. We've got to want to study and understand the word. So we're promised rest in the middle of the storm. Don't we have a storm in this country? But look at Jesus demonstrated 
He demonstrated that we can have rest physically in the storm. First, he demonstrated physically in the storm for us. But how would you know that? Well, I've read the Bible and I know. I know about the storm. So I'm going to read it to you in Matthew 8, 23 to 27. And when he got in the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? What sort of person is this that can walk through a storm completely calm? Well, we know because our master left us a pattern, because we've read the Bible. We know what the word says. We can have peace in the storm. You know, we have a lot of Christians that are running all over the place. They're running to and fro to different things. They're wearing themselves out from serving sometimes. And when the church time comes, they're too tired. Too tired to attend. The gospel of good deeds is not from God. Because it seems to be like that's the idol in the church right now is serving. You know, where do you serve? You know, we have to here sign up so you can serve someplace. I think it comes naturally that people just volunteer and they will naturally fall into their place. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But the, the gospel of good deeds is, is self-serving. It's kind of like getting glory for yourself. And it's devilish. Yeah, we have to have good works, but our motivation can't be so that other people can see that we're good Christians. We have to have good works because we know that our God changes not, and we can be very certain that if we do the right thing, God's going to take care of us. We have to be certain that if we do something, it's what Jesus would do in that situation. It says in Hebrews 4, 1 through 12, it says, Therefore... While the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, and talking about the Israelites, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who, for we who have believed entered that rest, or, has, or as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. If you're troubled on the inside all the time, just rest. Learn to rest in God. Learn to let God have that, give you that peace. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, says through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. How do you hear his voice? You hear it by the preaching of the word. One of the ways, main ways, the preaching of the word. It says, do not forsake the assembly of the saints. Why? Because the preaching of the word is what makes your spirit grow, makes it stronger. 
says, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So there, there then remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whosoever enters God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is a living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Here Paul's speaking of that calm assurance that we can have. I don't care what's going on. If there's a nuclear war, we can have rest. We can have peace. The peacefulness that we must have is that we are certain that God will not forsake us. He won't leave us. He's not going to leave us in a lurch. I've heard pastors say that many times. God's not going to leave us in a lurch. He's not going to leave us alone. Don't you think that God knew all this? And he knows what's going to happen. This crazy thing happening in it where these terrorists are just they're they're let them all they let them all out of jail i mean it's it's really we've just stepped up as far as dangerousness in our world we've we've gone beyond that place to to where it's sheer terror in this world a short time from now but we need to have rest and we need to have peace why because there's so many other people that need to hear the gospel if we're running around in a fret and in a worry and in a I mean what kind of what kind of witness is that if we're fretful and worried hey we're supposed to have the answer we're supposed to be the answer right but if we're running around and we're saying we're not certain we're not we're in doubt we're in fear God says that you are disobedient if you don't enter into his rest because it's the rest that gives you strength do you ever have a bad night's sleep? Let's say you're going through something and your, you know, your kids or your finances or something's going, you know, the wrong way and you're up all night and you're trying to figure it out every which way and you can't do it and well if I do this and I can do that and then you wake up and you're totally exhausted and you still haven't solved your problem. Wouldn't it have been better to just put it in God's hands? And get a good night's sleep. Be better. It works for me. You've got to just put, especially, and you know, Brother King, if you minister in church and you've got a congregation, their problems can keep you up at night. But you've got to learn to just put it up in God's hands and get your rest. I mean, God can figure it out. And then while you're resting, you can wake up and you can see things differently. But sometimes we can't let go of these problems because we feel that if we let go, it's irresponsible. You know, that we have to figure it out because if we don't do it, no. What we have to do is do what I did with the, the chocolate and the diet. I had to give it to God and say, God, I can't do this. I cannot do it. I need your strength. I need your grace to do it. So if you've got a problem that just won't go away, Give it to God and say, God, you take it. I can't do it. And I'm just going to trust that you're going to go through it because I am certain that you have the answer for it. One of the certainties of God is that he's got the answer to all of our problems. He'll direct you here. 
he might do what he did to me and, and see this Facebook face that I kept going by and kept ignoring. And finally, I listened to what he had to say. He'll do it with another person. He'll do it with a song. You'll hear a, a song. Have you ever heard a song lyric? That's what I was Ramona's song. It was going through my head. And it did it with Doris's song that, that other night. And, you know, and Francis, you've sang songs that have done that. And then No Tears in Heaven. I said, I, you know, it, it, these things minister life and their answers. It's not just a song. It ministers. But he continues on in Hebrews 14, 16. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Let us be certain. Let us be certain. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I had to go boldly to the throne room and say, God, I can't do this. I need help. The grace of God was there for me. The grace of God is there for you. You can be very, very certain that God wants to help you. But see, sometimes because we haven't had good images, maybe with our dads or, you know, maybe we've had a bad experience, we're not so sure that God really wants to help us. Because the male figures in our lives have said, huh, you made your mess, you just lie in it. And have been somewhat mean to us. So we're not really confident that God can do it. But get that confidence tonight. God's on your side. God wants to help you. We know for a certainty that God is on our side. It says in Hebrews 13:5, it says, "Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such as things you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you." The amplified says, "I will not, I will not, I will not." He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to just say, well, you figure it out. You got in the mess. Let me know how it works. That's not our God. Our God is right there. He's there to help us. He knows we can't figure it out. He knows we can't do it. You can be certain of that. You can't get out of your own mess. God will help you. He'll be there. He'll be your strong arm. He's there to comfort you in the night. He's there when you wake up in the morning and you're not sure which direction to go. He's there. And we have that certainty of eternal hope. And I want to read this passage to you in Hebrews 6:13 and 20. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, 
a hope that enters into the inner peace behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We have that hope. We have that anchor. And I want to sum this all up in closing with Proverbs 3. And I just started, you know how funny when you're ministering and, you know, you say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, I started to read the whole, so I want to read it. It's long. You can bear with me. It kind of, it it speaks everything that we need to know tonight, I believe. It starts, I'm going to start in chapter, in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be a life for your soul and an adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of the sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. Lord, we thank you that we have freedom to preach the word and to hear the word. We thank you, Father, that you sow this word deep in our heart, that we're certain, Father. We're certain of your love. We're certain of your care. We're certain of all these things, Lord. Father, we thank you as we encourage one another in the Lord. Father, that this church is going to run this race. This church is going to be strong to the end. Father, that we are thanking you. Lord, we thank you for new growth. We thank you, Father, for people that are hungry to hear your word. Lord, we just thank you. You have kept us. You continue to keep us. And Lord, we're just, we just love you so much. And Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, honey, I want to pray just for Rachel. Okay. Rachel, can you come up? (laughs) Come on up. (laughs) You didn't do anything. No, you're good. I am. I sure am, dear, because I wouldn't say anything in public. 
Um, we need to pray for Rachel. This is off, so it's just it's just all your friends, it's all your buds in here. Okay? Rachel's been told she's got to take the vaccine. Okay, for her job, and she does not want to do it. Now I'm not fussing at anybody who wants to take it. You take it, and that's all right with me. If you don't take it, that's all right with me. I'm all right either way. Rachel needs a miracle, and she needs to know which way to go. Is this correct? Yeah, but I already got that figured, I think. You got it figured? We're going to pray for you anyways, because okay. we just love Rachel, and we just love the fact that God has put her in our path for, yes. you know, for however long. Hopefully a while. Mr. Brady. Yeah. Well, so Mr. that's another thing that's been on my mind, too. So just pray that I get to stay with Mr. Brady. <laughs> Mr. Brady loves you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so let's just stretch out our hands. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this sweet, this sweet Rachel. Father, we thank you that in her work situation, Father, it's been her personal decision not to take this vaccine. And, Father, we thank you that you're going to open the way, Father. Lord, that, that you open up a door for her, Lord. You give her the way to do what she needs to do to keep her job. And, Father, if, if that's not the way, Lord, you'll open the door for a better job. But, Father, either way, her desire is to stay with Mr. Brady. And, Father, that's our desire, too. Father, we've grown to love this girl with her sweet spirit. And, Father, we just thank that you bless her, give her wisdom. Father, stir her up for the hunger of the word, and Father, let her prosper. You put her, Father, on this planet for such a time as this. And God, we just thank you. Let us be a mentor to Rachel. Let us pour into Rachel. Father, let us help her to walk in her Christian life. And God, we just thank you. We just thank you for her. We thank you for her life. In amen, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know what we need to do before we leave here? Just leave our burdens here. <laughs> Amen. Okay, all right. Amy just went into labor while y'all were here. (laughs) All right, well, Father, we lift up Amy to you right now. God, let it be an easy delivery. Lord, we just thank you that your peace just surrounds her and, and just engulfs her right now. And, Lord, just let everything be easy like it's supposed to be. And, Father, we just give you praise for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's sing that chorus before we leave here, and let's just leave our burdens here. Stand up if you want to. Amen. Well, leave them there. Leave them there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. You know, Peter says, cast all your care upon him. How many knows what you do when you cast it? You just throw it. Throw it upon him because he cares for you. Amen. And I'll tell you what we need to do. When, when we have a need and we pray, Cast it upon the Lord, and don't go back there and say, hmm, just like I thought, it's still here, you know, it's still here. Well, I'm going to leave it there. 
leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your 